Welcome to PTBC Podcast, where we will be speaking about innovation, technology, growing your business, and maximizing your entrepreneurial potential. Let's get down to business. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the PTBC Podcast. This is Suresh here, and I'm joined by Slava. Hey, everyone. So this week, we have a very special guest from one of Canada's largest rehab companies, Lifemark Health Group. Please welcome the Vice President of Corporate Development, Judy Boivin. Judy has over 30 years of clinical and management experience, and she was actually the owner of two clinics in Milton and sold these clinics to Lifemark in approximately 2008. And this was the start of her journey with Lifemark. Since then, Judy's climbed up the ladder at Lifemark, first becoming the clinic director in Milton, then becoming the national director of program development, where she oversaw the specialized programs at Lifemark, like pelvic health, concussion, and vestibular rehab, uh, to the position of vice president of clinic operations, where she oversaw the operations of over 50 clinics in Ontario. Now, very recently, uh, exciting news, she's moved into the clinic acquisitions as the VP of corporate development. This is quite an impressive resume, and it's great to have Judy on today. Uh, to learn more about Lifemark and their services, visit www.lifemarkhealthgroup.ca. All right, it's time to get down to business. So, Judy, how are you doing today? I'm great, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm really excited to have this podcast, and uh, I'm sure you have a great deal of information to uh, share with us over uh, the amazing journey. Uh, so we wanted to start off the podcast with asking a question about the journey that you had. So in terms of opening up your clinic, um, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, from when you opened up your clinic in Milton to selling these clinics in LifeMark? And can you tell us a little bit more about this journey from when you graduated to selling the clinics to LifeMark? Yes, uh, certainly. So, I mean, it's, it's been a bit of a long journey. And uh, certainly when I graduated from U of T in 1986, um, I, I certainly wouldn't have sort of pictured where I am today. Um, you know, it, this is a wonderful thing about physiotherapy is it leaves all kinds of doors open and uh, many opportunities present themselves. So at that time, when I graduated, private practice in Ontario was virtually unheard of. Um, most physios or all physios were getting jobs you know, in publicly funded um, facilities such as hospitals. Um, and uh, I was fortunate enough to have a very um, progressive um, professor at U of T, uh, Doug Freer, who many of you may, may know. Um, and he was our orthopedics um, prof and, and talked to us very much about the, the opportunities that were just beginning to start in the province where people were starting to use their extended health benefits for acquiring physiotherapy care and he really encouraged many of us to look at that as an opportunity of something we should do upon graduation so I um, really um, sort of embraced that idea and within three years of graduating I opened uh, my first private practice in Milton figuring I really didn't have too much to lose um, and it was worth a shot um, certainly it was um, the first clinic in Milton. I would say it was probably one of the first clinic, uh, first 10 or 12 clinics in the province at that time. Oh. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, you know, it really was something that people weren't very accustomed to, but mm -hmm. it didn't take long after I opened my doors to realize that the sort of, there was a pent up demand for services that um, mm -hmm. people were unable to access through hospitals. And it was around the time when there was a lot of focus on fitness and people wanting to be active and, uh, and also learning to take care of themselves. So, you know, some of the things we take for granted today, such as, you know, icing after an injury, that was really just very, very much the beginning of it, sort of teaching people how to take care of their own injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, so that um, was, uh, I, I have to credit my U of T prof for sort of uh, telling us that these things could be done. And certainly many of us from that era did open clinics. Um, and I guess it was 2000 that I opened my second location in Milton. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that, that second location, I uh, brought in a, a business partner with me at that time, another physio that had been working with me, mm -hmm. uh, Jason Vandesan. And um, we, uh, you know, together sort of grew those two facilities um, and, you know, certainly a lot of, a uh, lot of long hours and, and a lot of learning that went along with that because really we didn't have too much to go on or too many people to, 
to uh, reference for information. So um, in 2008 um, was when we decided, uh, the two of us decided that it was time to, that we were looking to sell. Um, we were both kind of looking for something different out of our careers. And um, we uh, were approached by LifeMark at that time. And we're able to come up with an agreement to sell our clinics to LifeMark. And uh, certainly it's been a bit of a journey um, since that time in, in terms of my career. Um, but, but sort of those starting out days, um, I would say uh, that that is very, very, very different nowadays with people opening clinics because uh, the, the amount of competition um, to open a clinic and the level of um, knowledge that's out there is far greater than it ever was uh, 30 years ago. For sure. And it's uh, fantastic that you've been able to open the two locations at a time where there weren't too many resources around uh, in terms of the private practice and that you've been able to make the two clinics very successful. So I just had a question in terms of um, what major clinics in Milton attractive to the buyers from a large company like LifeMark? Well, um, certainly what LifeMark is looking for is companies that are clinics that have strong reputations within their community. They um, have grown through acquisition of um, existing businesses and um, encouraging um, the uh, previous owners to stay around. And that um, obviously sort of adds to the strength of the, um, the operation because they've already got their roots firmly grounded and their referral sources are already, um, you know, well, well entrenched. Um, you know, in addition to that, certainly they're looking to make sure that what they're purchasing is financially sound. So obviously we had to demonstrate that we were running a, a business that had, um, earnings at the end of the day. And, um, you know, they're, uh, any company is not going to buy a business without, you know, sound uh, due diligence um, on the financial side of it. Mm -hmm. and, and I think probably the third aspect is sort of geographic representation. Um, LifeMark continues to acquire clinics and there's certain, you know, areas where um, we know that uh, as a company, it would be advantageous for us to be in. Um, but there's nothing to be gained by buying a, a bad practice or a bad uh, physiotherapy clinic, it really uh, does nothing to enhance our reputation. So it, it really is about sourcing out the right, um, the right clinics and with the right people. It's, it's uh, very much about the people that are acquired in each location. Um, that, that's what adds value for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of buying these clinics and your new role as clinic acquisitions and working as VP of corporate development, uh, I'm sure you can definitely speak to this question, this next question really well. Um, so what are some of the benefits of a clinic owner selling their clinic to LifeMark? And if someone is listening, what's the reason that they should sell their clinic to LifeMark? What are some things they can get out of this? Good question, and certainly one that I've had lots of opportunity to sort of talk to people about over the years. Um, you know, I think everybody does sell for a different reason. Um, and, uh, you know, for uh, myself and my business partner at the time, Jason Vandesand, we, we sold for very different reasons, really. I was uh, 10 years older than him, and I was sort of thinking I wanted a different career direction and was a little tired of sort of the daily grind of patient care. And he, on the other hand, wanted to sort of be networked with more like-minded colleagues and, and uh, branch off into different specialty areas and, and um, sort of learn um, through um, more training and education that would be allowed um, through a larger network. And so we really were both able to achieve what we were looking for. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely with um, LifeMark, there's a lot of autonomy to, to continue to practice in the way that you want to. Um, but there's also that ability to access, you know, other, other um, professionals that, that you could learn and grow from. And in my case, I, I probably latched on to some of the ones that were more advanced in the business end of it. And um, in his case, more of the, the clinical end of things. And so, you know, there's all kinds of resources we have. Um, currently, we have over, over 2,000 employees across the country. Um, with experts in, in uh, many different areas. I think one of the other big challenges for pro small private practices is they, um, the challenge around recruiting and, and um, finding the right um, professionals to work with you. 
um, you know, you can, you can build a private practice and work really, really hard as one person, you know, 12 hours a day from 7am to 7pm, which is sort of what, you know, was happening to us. We had tons of patients coming to see us, but we couldn't find people that we relied on, could rely on to sort of help us with that, that workload of patients. And um, certainly LifeMark has, um, you know, the ability to recruit, but also the ability to relocate staff. So people that, you know, might live in Mississauga and want to move to, to Scarborough or Vancouver, for that matter, we can always help them to accommodate them. And it's a great way of us being able to retain, retain staff. Um, uh, connecting colleagues up with, with mentors will, will also allow us to retain staff. So lots of opportunities for the, the um, people that we employ as well as for the, the clinic owners. Um, I think um, the other thing I always felt happened in a small private practice was there was not a lot of efficiency in terms of just um, operationalizing things. So, you know, payroll and um, accounting and all the sort of marketing initiatives and all the technology stuff, particularly in the recent years, that's all done from a central, um, or, you know, uh, office. And so there's a lot of efficiencies that are gained by doing that. And so, um, you know, if you're a clinician that truly just wants to treat, you don't have to be wasting your time learning about, you know, new, a new payroll system or, you know, the, the changes in the legislation that you need to be aware of. There's other individuals that are looking after keeping an eye on those problems um, and, and uh, issues for you. So there's, you know, there's, there's um, just a lot, I would say a lot more sort of opportunity uh, for career laddering and, um, you know, going in different directions um, and learning from others. And um, certainly, uh, I, you know, I can speak for Jason and myself in that it was a, it was a uh, beneficial opportunity for us um, and, um, you know, has, has allowed us many opportunities that uh, we wouldn't have had uh, continuing to sort of work in our own, um, you know, little, little practice within a small community. So it definitely sounds like the sale to LifeMark uh, definitely helped you uh, boost your career and take it in a, diff- in a different direction that you wanted. Um, just to wrap up this topic of selling to LifeMark, uh, we wanted to ask you, what do you recommend that someone who's looking to go down this path of selling their business to LifeMark, uh, how do they prepare for this transition? Obviously, you commented about uh, exposing the financials, which is definitely a must. But on top of that, should there be certain systems implemented for LifeMark to take over or um, just any kind of those preparation steps? Yeah, I think, you know, there's there's definitely things that we're looking for when we're looking at a clinic. But I think one of the biggest things for an individual considering whether they're ready to sell or not is really to ask themselves, you know, what what it is they're looking for in their career. Because um, the last thing you, you know, LifeMark wants um, to do is to, to sort of drag somebody into selling, kicking and screaming. We, we need people to... Um, want to be fully engaged in the process and um, ready to sort of uh, take on this and embrace this new opportunity. And so I think, you know, we certainly have people that come to us sort of saying, oh, I'm, I'm ready to get out of the business. I, uh, you know, I want to retire or whatever. That's not always the person we're looking for. Often it's somebody that's sort of, um, you know, looking to get some return on their investment, but also looking to help grow and build, uh, you know, a better and bigger vision of, of delivery of, of uh, rehab services in Canada. And so, you know, I think it's sort of stopping and saying to yourself, what, why is it I'm selling? Am I selling just because I'm bored and I want to get out of the profession altogether? Or I'm selling just because, um, because I see it as an opportunity for me. Um, so I, you know, I think financials, as you say, is a big part of it. But I think you know, to get yourself mentally prepared for it and, and realize whether you are selling for the, the right reasons. Um, because uh, it, it's a big step. I can tell you when I sold, it was, it was really like handing over my, my child. It, you've, you pour in so much um, 
sort of blood, sweat, and tears into your growing your business that it's hard to hand it over to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you really do have to be mentally prepared for it too. Definitely. And um, in terms of the individuals who sell to LifeMark, are you looking for somebody to stay on and continue uh, the clinic operations? Uh, or would they go into a different branch for LifeMark and um, do a different kind of job? Yeah, gen- generally speaking, the model is that the previous owner stays on as the clinic director for that particular facility that's been purchased. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's sort of the ideal LifeMark model, um, having that person still in place. And we, you know, we never um, change anything to do with staffing. We, you know, we would never go in and, and get rid of people or anything like that. It's all, we try and keep the business as intact as possible because they've been successful previously and we want them to continue to be successful but some people come to us with a clear um, sort of understanding that you know I'm I'm selling because I want to just be a treating clinician I don't want to manage the practice anymore and we've had a couple instances recently where you know we've made arrangements with that previous owner to bring in um, a physiotherapist or chiropractor or um, or other health professional that is more interested in the business side of it. And so that person's put in place and they run the business and the previous owner, you know, steps back into just a treatment role um, and, and sort of hands off their, their um, uh, sort of involvement in the business side of it. So that's not a typical model, but we have done that before. I, you know, and I think, as I say to people that are considering selling, you know, you just, you need to sort of think through what it is you really want and then just be as um, upfront as you can in terms of uh, stating what it is. And then, you know, between uh, many, many discussions, uh, you, you know, you come to determine whether it's a fit or not for us and for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's an interesting journey that people will be taking if they kind of decide to join LifeMark and sell. It does sound like you know, it benefits both parties uh, based on what uh, you've said. And, um, you know, you've had all this experience working as an, uh, an individual in the business side of things over, uh, over the years. And uh, you've had a lot of good experience with the LifeMark corporate team. So I wanted to understand how you've been able to keep up with the qualifications and skills needed to perform your job especially in terms of the business side of things, um, as you kept working your way up towards these larger roles? Because uh, I'm not entirely sure of what the business uh, curriculum or the business portion of the curriculum when you did your training for uh, physiotherapy was. But, um, you know, typically we find that a lot of students, uh, you know, there's as much as uh, our, we have a great professor teaching us the business management uh, uh, component of the curriculum it's still hard to kind of fit everything in so how have you been able to kind of keep up with this throughout the years yeah good question and I think uh, certainly uh, when I went to school there was no business training whatsoever um, it was uh, all clinical training and uh, I mean I think it's important to note too that really for the first you know 20-25 years of my career I really was very much a focused clinician so I was taking all of the therapeutic courses and all, you know, all of the orthopedic levels, the acupuncture, you name it, I, I took it. I mean, my, my clinical resume is, is pretty extensive. So it really was quite an about face for me in sort of, I, I think it was around 2010 where I started, go, I went into um, the director of program development, which is kind of a uh, clinical slash um, business role um, that I, you know, sort of decided that I really need to sharpen some of my business tools. And so, you know, um, I, I, at that point in time, you know, I'd been a clinician for so long. I really, um, I did seriously think about doing some formal, like uh, doing my MBA or, or that kind of thing. Talked to many people and I decided not to in the long run. Um, and, and not to say that that's, you know, the right decision to recommend to someone else, because I think, you know, there's some, certainly some value in that, but um, I decided rather than doing, you know, a formal business training like that, that I would um, mentor with some of the people within LifeMark. And so, you know, I had some formal mentorship 
arrangements set up, um, as well as some informal ones, learning from other individuals within the company. Um, and, and certainly, um, you know, even things like taking some computer courses think to, to uh, get better at Excel and uh, that kind of thing, that things that I hadn't, you know, ever really had an opportunity to learn. But uh, to be completely truthful, I think the, the bulk of my learning has been through, um, through doing. And, um, you know, I think um, the, the um, sort of being provided with opportunities to lead um, groups and, and sort of manage projects, um, you know, initially smaller ones that, that um, you know, I was able to sort of um, test test out a few techniques on and, and gradually some larger projects. Um, I was able to sort of uh, prove to, to myself as well as to others that I could um, deliver on, on projects and um, get, get things done as, um, as expected. So, you know, it really was as much as anything an on-the-job training for a lot of my, my business skills. Um, certainly still, I would say um, with a business um, involvement, I'm known as in the company as sort of not necessarily leading with a, a business mind, but leading with a clinical mind, which actually um, has a lot of advantages because I think it gives me a lot of credibility with the clinicians in the field. But I think it also helps to balance those other people at uh, head office that I'm working with that, you know, have a uh, financial background, for example, you know, I balance out that, um, that side of things for them. Um, so in a large company, you're, you know, I think you're lucky in many ways because you can always find somebody that uh, knows how to help you figure out things. And I do rely very heavily on others um, in the company to, you know, analyze uh, numbers and uh, provide technology solutions to my, my questions, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I can't say, I can't say even though I'm in a business role, I still don't think of myself as a business person, really. I think of myself as a clinician. Mm -hmm. And you definitely brought up a really good point there. You said that you lead with a clinical mind and not with a business mind. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Well, I think, um, you know, I, and I think mostly when I was provided the opportunity to lead our Ontario operations, I mean, my initial response to our CEO when he asked me, um, you know, to take on the role is I said, um, you know that I'm going to make all my decisions based on my leading with my heart or my gut reaction to what's right for the patient. And I think um, that's always led my decisions and anything I do is, you know, coming back to, is this the right decision to provide excellent patient care? And I said, I will not lead by watching the numbers and, and following the spreadsheets and, you know, uh, sort of answering to, um, the, you know, the budget every single month. Um, you know, not that I'm not ignoring that as a very important part of the business, but I don't think we can make sound decisions looking at just that. And um, his response to me was that, you know, the, the reason he, I was being put in this role was because I was following my, my clinical head and I wasn't, the, the numbers will follow as well as, as long as you take care of people and, and in taking care of people, it's not just your patients, but you've also got to take care of your teams within your clinics. And as, and as you, as you sort of uh, focus on taking care of them, the numbers take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I do think we have people that go into this business, um, you know, with, with the idea that they're going to make a ton of money and they're just watching the, the bottom line all the time. And it really, um, you know, I, I really don't think in the long run it helps them at all. And it, it certainly doesn't help the quality of the services we're delivering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we definitely have to keep the patient and the clinical portion that we're providing in mind as the priority. But uh, Judy, in terms of your uh, business training and your experiences that you've overcome uh, for, to learn about the business, you said that you mostly learn by doing. Uh, if we're looking for an advice for a new graduate coming out of school uh, to set up their career path in a business management role, uh, do you have any advice for them on how to speed up their um, speed up their learning or any things that they could do to 
really dive into this business um, knowledge a little bit faster as well? Yes. Um, well, I mean, I think, um, well, I'll make a plug for LifeMark Careers. <laughs> we do <laughs> website, um, and we do post all our clinic director and managerial roles there. Um, and and um, you can uh, even set up um, a notice um, that they notify you for certain postings that may come up. Um, because it is something to watch for. I think there's, you know, certainly when you first come out, you, you it's worth getting into a location where you've got someone that's willing to um, dedicate time and energy into mentoring you and talking to you about different opportunities. But then it really is up to you to carve out your own path. And I think this is one of the things I, I, I do find young um, therapists there's a certain sense of entitlement there that, um, you know, they think that they should take the next, you know, jump up the ladder without really proving themselves. And I, I so I think it, people need to understand that, you know, um, sort of advancing your in your career really does take, um, you know, an effort on your own part to, to search out opportunities and to put your name forward. So, you know, if you're working in the clinic and you see something that needs to be done. It's rather than just complaining about it, come to your manager with a solution as to how you could correct it and, and, and offer your, you know, your services to help make it better. I mean, I, um, throughout my career, I've had a couple different therapists that, you know, worked with me, um, uh, both prior to selling to LifeMark and Sense that, you know, they, right from the start from within a few days of them working there, I could tell that they had leadership potential. And, you know, I always use the example of the one guy that came to me and said, you know, uh, and this is a physio. He came to me and he said, you know, there's, there's flies in that light fixture up there. And it's really annoying for patients when they're lying on their back and they see those flies up there in the light fixture. And I think that should be cleaned out because it's just not appropriate or it's, it's kind of disgusting. And, and, and next thing you know, I see him going to find a ladder and he himself is getting up there and cleaning out the light fixture. And uh, so to me, that just spoke volumes about the guy because I just thought, here's a guy that, you know, um, is a physiotherapist. That job really should be below him. But he saw a problem. And rather than expecting me to fix the problem or me to hire somebody to fix the problem, he went and, and solved the problem himself. And I think that's, you know, just an example of how um, you can kind of prove yourself in a very um, simple way that you are willing to sort of go the extra, extra kilometer, which is, which is actually one of the LifeMark values, is that we look to people to go the extra kilometer. Um, and, and that really does say something. And so, you know, what the next time there is an opportunity, whether it's, you know, say teaching a course or something like that, and you know that individual's really skilled at shoulder assessment, you're going to suggest their name be the one that goes forward to do that next opportunity. And so it kind of, it kind of um, you know, snowballs from there, but I, I think it's, it's some of those really simple, basic things that may not even be physiotherapy-related things that just prove that you are a leader. And, um, you know, that's, that's where... Um, you know, you can start to shine and then look for other opportunities and, and, you know, don't, don't hesitate to try um, and, and do things like, you know, things that are a little outside your comfort zone because uh, you know, sometimes uh, one thing leads to the other. The, the, I know the other thing I wanted to mention in regards to career pathing too is I really think it's important as well to be um, involved with the professional association and, um, you know, the OPA, the CPA, those um, different um, divisions within them, there's certainly lots of opportunities there to network and, and learn and um, rub shoulders with other therapists. And, and um, I, I, that's where I actually met Sharush was at the OPA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The OPA, yeah. <laughs> it, it is, it, I never come away from one of those things without sort of making a new connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's really important for us as a profession to continue to network and learn from each other. Yeah, definitely agree. I'm a big fan of the conferences as well myself, just kind of seeing all the, the new research and just all the people coming out and um, presenting themselves, meeting other, other people, meeting other students. It's, it's all um, 
it was a, a great experience to just kind of go out as a student and I'm sure it's also a great experience going out as a clinician and as someone who's kind of uh, within your role as well even. Okay, uh, so can you tell us a little bit more about your role as VP of Clinic Operations and since you've had all this experience owning a clinic, running a clinic, and overseeing over 50 clinics, I'm sure you've had a lot of experience with key performance indicators. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about the key performance indicators that you felt were vital to monitor across multiple clinics in order to make sure that they were operating successfully? And how do you monitor these? Okay, well, it's a big question. And <laughs> certainly, um, you know, the over the years, the KPIs that are monitored have sort of varied um, and changed in terms of things coming in and out of popularity, I would say. Um, certainly with um, every you know, sort of technology now, we have the ability to monitor a lot more um, information and data than we ever used to. Um, and I'm not sure always whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, certainly, you know, going back years ago when, um, you know, I started my practice, there wasn't that as many opportunities that way. Um, and we did, you know, the very basic sort of patient satisfaction questionnaires. And in some ways, you know, I, I think that a lot, that's still extremely important. Um, just your, um, you know, basic feedback from your patients. Certainly now we, we feel like patient satisfaction is almost um, become, um, you know, an online um, thing that, you know, with Google reviews and so forth, you, we get patients providing their their feedback uh, directly online, which is, can't get any more authentic than that. Um, certainly at LifeMark, the net promoter score is a big thing that we monitor. And, and we, for all our clinics, we do have um, that information provided um, on a clinic scorecard as to what their net promoter score is every month. Um, and, and there's um, certainly, you know, uh, lots of research that shows that that is um, one of the best measures of, of business success. Um, I have always um, felt that monitoring, especially when we've got new staff, monitoring the average patient visits is a, a good indicator, particularly when we're looking at the private patient business. You know, if, if you get a new therapist come on and they um, – are sort of churning through a lot of, of new assessments and patients are dropping off the map very quickly. It's a, it's a bad sign. It's a sign they're not gaining confidence. They're not able to sort of relay the, um, the, the rehab plan to that patient and, and engage them in a way that they're actually going to have a successful outcome. So um, av average patient visits um, really should you know, sit anywhere um, around, you know, at least the seven or eight visit mark in, in my books. Um, it, you know, you'll certainly have some that are shorter and some that are longer, but uh, we know that um, if you have a patient to adhere to a treatment plan, their chances of succeeding and, and not um, returning with the same injury are a lot greater. One of the things we are looking at more now at LifeMark is um, because we do online booking, is um, things like the um, these scheduling efficiencies within clinics too, because um, you know we we have um, people looking for appointments and and they're challenged to find them sometimes. Um, so that's sort of one of those things that we're constantly monitoring. Um, and then of course there's the clinical outcomes, um, return to work um, being one of the biggies um, in a lot of cases, um, but also symptom improvement um, and all the other sort of, um, you know, NDI and Roland Morris and all the other clinical outcome measures are, are important as well. So, you know, the um, sort of at the end of every month, we provide our clinics and our clinicians with, with a scorecard sort of showing them um, in a graph format how all of those indicators are looking. Um, and it would be up to our clinic directors to work with individual clinicians to help um, bring them up in certain levels um, if, they, if they notice that there's some, some areas that are lacking. Um, it, is, it, it is almost information overload, though. 
Um, so I, I do, um, I think at some point we're going to see, uh, have to see a real sort of reckoning of, of information and, and, um, a return to sort of a focus on, on the very basic patient satisfaction, you know, would, would you refer this, this clinic to a friend or family member is really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. You, that, in uh, this day and age, there's a lot of information coming in and you have to prioritize the main uh, key performance indicators to really understand uh, what kind of value the clinic is providing and how the patients are perceiving the services in the clinic. Um, yeah. Just um, speaking to your experience from your uh, back to your Milton clinics uh, in terms of um, how were you able to market your services at uh, Milton Physiotherapy when you were a clinic owner? And uh, how did you, how do you market uh, certain specialized programs while working for LifeMark? Okay. So marketing too has changed a lot, um, you know, over the years. And, and, you know, I mentioned the friend and family um, referral um, through a, as a satisfaction marker, but it's also probably one of the best ways to grow your business. Um, And, and, and I think, uh, you know, the, the marketing to physicians used to be um, something that was routinely done um, in physiotherapy practices, not nearly um, as useful nowadays, in my opinion. Um, the physician still, um, you know, is a very valuable member of the team, but often not the one that's directing an individual to rehab. Um, people are of taking control of their health a lot more and they're um, making those their own you know educated decisions as to where they they want to attend their for their rehab so i think um certainly the direction with with marketing um on a broader sense needs to be you know more in the digital realm um you know i mentioned google reviews that's that's a big part of it there's all different ways of reviewing online now um and and people will um certainly be sourcing out those um, opportunities to find out a little bit more about clinics. I, I do encourage patients to, uh, you know, look up, think, look up information on websites um, and, and become sort of an educated consumer um, of, of the services that they're, they're looking for um, and, and sort of marketing um, to an educated patient is, is, really more the direction we need to be heading. Um, you know, people are just more and more sophisticated in terms of what it is they're looking for. And there may be a specific technique, for example. Um, certainly this, this um, always reminds me of my role as a national director of program development. And, uh, you know, when we were really starting to focus on things like our concussion program or our pelvic health program, you know, it's, it's trying to help people out there with unique problems, find a therapist that um, they can go to that matches their, um, you know, what their needs with that therapist's unique or very specialized skill. And so there's, um, there's more of that kind of um, ability to, to find the right therapist um, because, you know, um, physiotherapists do, can, cannot be good at absolutely everything. And certainly there's some that are better at certain things than others. And so, uh, the matching of the patient and the therapist is a really important part of marketing now. And uh, if you're a therapist, you know, with a really unique skill set, you, you can't just expect people to find you. You really do need to make sure that you're promoting that, um, that skill set, getting out and doing talks to, um, you know, local groups. If you're a pelvic health therapist, you know, perhaps talking to uh, uh, the uh, local mums groups, to obstetricians, to, um, you know, uh, uh, all those other sort of networks that uh, may need those types of services. Um, and so there's, a, you know, there is a lot of promoting that we still need to do as a profession. We um, still a lot of people out there that just, you know, may not know that we know how to treat certain things. Um, vestibular is always one that continues to surprise me. You know, people walk around with uh, EPP. And, and significant um, issues with balance and dizziness, and it can be resolved in such a short, um, you know, session of treatments, usually two or three visits, and and they have substantial improvement. And yet, 
unfortunately, people are still suffering from some of these conditions they're not aware of um, that we're able to treat. So um, talking more about it as a profession at all levels um, is important marketing for all of us. Definitely. And uh, you've made a lot of valid points in terms of the marketing uh, across the clinics and uh, specifically to some of the niche services that physiotherapists provide, but maybe uh, people aren't aware of, like specifically like vestibular rehab that you mentioned. Uh, Judy, in terms of uh, just taking a look at your overall career, um, you have so much wealth of experience, especially as a VP of clinic operations. Um, I was wondering uh, if you could answer this question in terms of um, the one biggest challenge that you find that a lot of clinics are struggling with in terms of their clinical operations, if you find a common pattern across certain clinics. Yeah, um, good question. Um, I mean, the, uh, I think that we, we struggle with sort of time management, really. Um, especially if you're in a busy practice, you know, um, it, it takes time and it takes um, um, sort of that ability to connect with patients. And I think sometimes what happens is in, in a, an environment where you're rushing and you're trying to see more people than you maybe should be seeing is you don't take the time to make that connection or that relationship with, with your patient, that therapeutic relationship or alliance that they talk about. And um, so I think one of the things we, we probably struggle with in clinic operations, and I think probably more in private practices than anywhere else, is that, um, that time pressure, right, where you're, um, you know, you, everybody wants to come after work, for example, and so the evenings are jam-packed. They're all wanting to, to um, book appointments in the evening. You've got to make sure as a therapist that you're, you're really efficient, but you're also making sure that you make that connection because if you don't and you just rush the patient in and out the door, um, you, you're, they're not going to get better. They're not going um, to trust you. They're not going to follow through on the treatment plan. And so I think, um, you know, the, the one thing I think we all um, struggle with in, in private practice physio for sure is, is effective time management. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. Definitely the time management component is key even regardless of honestly i think as students even we've that's something that we've had to incorporate as uh, people who work in other professions i think it's a very key component of just being able to kind of be efficient and operate effectively um over the years you've had so many accomplishments You, you have a lot of strength you've done so many things well i wanted to actually ask you a question about you and what do you think one area uh, in terms of business and kind of working in business and healthcare, what's one area that you feel that you still need to improve on and how are you kind of working towards that? Um, well, always um, areas to improve on. And, and when you're my age, probably the big challenge is technology. <laughs> so I, um, and, and so I am working to improve on that and, and trying to my, my, you know, sort of, the goal with that is to um, be open to always learning and, and sort of taking on new challenges. But, you know, there is a lot of frustration um, around, you know, new, uh, new software, new ways of, of doing things. And, and um, you know, I need, to, I need to take the time to learn um, those things that I think the younger generation, you know, that have grown up with, with technology are, um, you know, comes very naturally to them. Um, but I think there's, in order for me to be a leader within the field, um, I have to embrace it because it, it is definitely the way of the future that we're, you know, that's where we're going to see the, you know, the most advancement and change within the rehab world is, is through technology. So, um, that's for sure an area of focus for me that I, I need to continue to learn. And uh, not just try and not, not just ignore it because it's not going away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, actually, to follow up on that, I wanted to ask you a question about how uh, LifeMark in general has been keeping up with these advancements in technology and how have they been evolving as a, uh, a corporation? Yeah, we've invested a lot in technology, especially within the last two years. Um, we have a very large IT um, 
department, uh, very smart um, uh, chief information officer um, who is leading us through that. Um, you know, we, we um, have, you know, added a lot of um, advancements at the clinic level in terms of things like um, the online booking, uh, e you know, email and text message reminders, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, one of the more recent things that we're doing is um, uh, uh, check-in kiosks so that we have, um, you know, a setup just like you, just like you do when you, I think it's a lot of the dental offices have this mm -hmm. now where you um, arrive and you um, do your own check-in and do your own payments and everything right there online. And so in some ways it, it will start to replace some of our front desk um, uh, work and allow our front desk people to be freed up to do other things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll have, we're um, creating patient, what we're calling, we call patient portals where patients can go log in and, and get their information immediately, uh, get their exercises immediately, get their, um, uh, you know, invoices and receipts and all that sort of stuff. Um, so there's, there's sort of that ability for them to interact with us has been uh, increased um, by the addition of technology. That's definitely a nice touch. And um, just to shift the conversation back to you, uh, with a lot of the success that you've had and the great career um, advancement that you've experienced uh, throughout your time, uh, what are some of the habits that have been crucial to you in order to make your career a success? Um, well, I mean, I, I think uh, throughout my career, I've always worked with um, a team of people. It's never just, it's never just me, you know, even from when I first started my clinic. And so it, it's sort of that um, ability to work with a team, everybody to their own strengths. So, you know, I, I've um, been very fortunate in that I've been able to surround myself with people that um, in many cases are a lot smarter than I am and people that think differently than I do. And I think that's, um, you know, a real advantage because you can learn from them, but together you can accomplish so much more. And so, um, you know, this is, this is um, you know, a profession where you have to be good working within a team and um, there's um, you know um, nothing that uh, can can replace that skill set is to be a good team player um, and uh, so you know I, I certainly I, although I've had some leadership opportunities I usually um, uh, can credit most of those uh, successes to the fact that everybody within a team has contributed to the overall success so um, you know I think that that's a uh, a huge um, thing I would recommend is just to really look around um, the people that you're working with and, and figure out, um, you know, how, how you can work better together and, um, and usually do, you know, advance more, more quickly in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think the other, the only other point I'd like to make in regards to sort of habits there too, is that, you know, I, and I said this earlier, but it's this, this concept of just always staying grounded in the, the right reasons for doing what you're doing and, and sort of always coming back to, you know, why are we doing this? Why, you know, what, what's this decision um, all about? And really it's again, just sort of asking yourself, what is the best thing for the patient? You know? Um, so whether I'm actually on putting my hands on the patient and, and providing the treatment or whether I'm the one making a decision that may affect, you know, a thousand people working in Ontario, it's, you know, has, is this decision benefiting that individual on the ground that's receiving physiotherapy treatment and um, trying to ensure that the decisions that are being made are always in the best interest of providing the best care. Yeah, definitely. It's really important, I think, as well, to just stay grounded, kind of stay humble the whole time and, you know, think in terms of other people, individuals uh, as well. And you've definitely provided a lot of um, important habits that you've been incorporating over the years. Um, we've gone to the segment where we typically talk about an influential book that our guests uh, tell us about. So we wanted to ask, uh, what is one book that you found to be crucial in your entrepreneurial journey and one that has 
positively impacted your business acumen? Well, um, yeah, I mean, there's many different ones, of course, but I, uh, the one that um, I think is a really practical book that helps with time management, which, um, you know, we earlier talked about the fact that that's a challenge for everybody. Um, it's a book called Nine Minutes on Monday, and it's essentially it's written by James Robbins. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it's essentially just a, um, a book that talks about how you can set aside just nine minutes a week um, to sort of uh, refocus your energies. Um, it gives you some guidance as to how you identify what your priorities are going to be. And it, it keeps you focused and helps you sort of engage the rest of your team. And um, we actually um, started using this with our clinic directors because it really is a great way for them every, every Monday to sort of um, come back to the, you know, the core values and start to think about how they're going to make a difference that particular week. And, um, you know, if you think um, you can take um, nine minutes out of your week to start to, you know, just um, engage that passion and that interest and, um, and focus everybody so that you actually, you know, start to achieve some of the things that you wish um, you're, that, that you're wanting to achieve and not sort of running around in circles. So um, it's a really simple sort of coaching model, I'd say, and, and, and a model for somebody in a, in a small practice where you're leading a group. Um, it just helps you to get you know, yourself as a, a manager to be more of a, of a leader that's got some influence. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. It sounds like an amazing read and we'll uh, definitely uh, give it a read over for sure. Um, so thank you so much, Judy, for coming on to the podcast. It was definitely a pleasure. Uh, we just wanted to ask you where we can get in touch with you uh, over email or social media, like Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn or Instagram, just for our listeners who might want to ask you some questions or get in touch with you. Yeah, I mean, probably the easiest thing is through LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a LinkedIn profile with um, it's J U D Y B O I V I N. I also, of course, can be reached at LifeMark. Um, the LifeMark email is judy.boivin at lifemark.ca. Um, uh, yeah, I'm certainly happy to speak to people. And, and in my new role as uh, uh, corporate development, I'm, I'm particularly interested in talking to anyone that's, that may have a clinic um, that they, you know, would like to talk about whether they're uh, at a point in their career where they're thinking of, of selling or not. Okay, yeah. Hopefully whoever uh, is listening uh, can get in touch with you and if if they have any questions for us and would like us to get in touch with you as well, they can uh, email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. Thanks again, Judy. Uh, It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. You've definitely provided a lot of uh, interesting information uh, with your extensive experience and uh, it's been great to have you on. Um, Thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Slava and Slush. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be speaking with you soon. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the PTBC podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode today. Please check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at our website, ptbusinesscorner.com. Feel free to send us a message on social media or email us at info at ptbusinesscorner.com. See you next time.